love Anna, don't we? Well, good morning. My name is Phil Masterson. I'm on staff here, and I get the privilege of preaching this morning. But before we do that, I have a little video I want to show you. Last week, we did a baptism Sunday. That was really exciting. Baptisms are amazing. This public proclamation saying, I am a follower of Jesus, and I'm, I'm proud of that. Well, uh, we're going to show a little picture of uh, some uh, kind of a rogue baptism that happened a week before. We uh, had our ADS, our, that's our discipleship school retreat up at my cabin in New York. And this wonderful student, Carrie Ann, Carrie Ann, just give us a little wave. She was like, hey, I want to be baptized. She saw, she saw a big body of water, this lake right there, and she said, get me baptized. So why don't we go ahead and show the video. We can't have the sound to it because... So I'll, I'll give a little play-by-play. Here she is. She's explaining her testimony. This is all of our class. Woo! Yeah! All right. Can't wait. It's like 35 degrees out. I'm telling her, plug your nose. It might go up your nose. Here we go. Ready? I'm really cold right now. going to take you down, bring you back up. Let's do this. Yeah! So that was Carrie Ann's baptism. Just wanted to give her a shout out and say, hey, she wasn't able to do it in front of everybody, but now she has. So it was a really, really powerful time up there uh, on our ADS retreat. All right, well, hey, this morning, um, I'm going to start with a little Bible trivia, okay? So get your Bibles, put your Bibles down, close them up, no phones out. I'm going to put up a passage. You might know this passage. You probably know this passage. We've talked about it a little bit. But in this passage, I've left two words blank. And they're the same word, and we're going to have a little multiple choice quiz at the end, seeing what word it actually is. Okay, so let me read this passage to us. This is Acts 13, 1 through 3. It says this, Now in the church at Antioch there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord, and the Lord said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Okay, so if you know the answer, don't shout it out. Keep it to yourself. There'll be a time at the end where we'll test you. Okay, so the first option, this is a multiple choice quiz right now. The first option is prophesying. Okay, so let me fill that in. While they were worshiping the Lord and prophesying, the Holy Spirit said, set apart from me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. So after they had prophesied and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Pretty compelling, right? That's probably the answer, all right? So just think of that. That might be it. The second option is B, strategizing. Okay, so here we go. Try this out. While they were worshiping the Lord and strategizing, The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had strategized and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Definitely potential. Okay, here we go. Third option is fasting. No way. All right, here we go. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Okay, so who thinks it's A, prophesying? Oh, well, it's not convincing enough. Eric, there you go. B, strategizing. Okay, tough crowd. Here we go. C, fasting. All right, all right, all right. Bunch of Bible nerds. Just... Actually, Alex probably gave it away in your announcements. No, I'm, I'm sure you guys know that. But, hey, this is an Acts 13 season. 
for our church. And what that means is this, is that we feel like, uh, at least the leadership of the church for the last probably six months, we feel like we're entering this time of saying, Lord, we want to know what's next for us as Antioch and Boston. Uh, whether that's to plant churches here in Boston, internationally, or, or around, the, around the states. We just want to know what you're doing. We want to know what, what is next. What ministries should we be starting? What, what things should we be focusing on? That's what we want to focus on. So we're in an Acts 13 season. But I love this passage because this has been the passage. This is where it comes from, that Acts 13 season. I've, as I've been meditating, what I, what I love about it is this, is that it's so spiritual. And what I mean by this, uh, what I mean by that is this, uh, you know, it, does, it could have had this record of, hey, and all these leaders, they got together, they busted out all the maps of the Middle East and Southern Europe, and they were like, hey, these are the cities that we got to go, or, oh, this is the trade routes, we can easily take, you know, the, the church and go this way, right? They could also have looked at each of the people in the room and said, oh, you're Myers-Briggs, you're an ENTJ, good, and you're an ISTP, okay, good, that would be a great combination, Saul and Barnabas, you guys go. Or it could have been like, hey, there was this amazing like, CEO, visionary leader that was like, we are taking down Southern Europe. That's the market that we're going to get next. We've got to make some money from that place, right? That could have been what was documented. But instead, what we see is this. A group of people gathered together. They worshipped. They prayed. And they fasted. And in that combination, the Holy Spirit speaks to this group and says, this is what the church is going to do next. This is the direction that I want you guys to go. So I love how spiritual that is. But here's another interesting thing as, I've, as I think about those three things, right? So worship, prayer, and fasting. I think many of us would be like, yo, I I'm, I'm, invite you to a worship meeting. Great, yeah, let's go. You know, oh, Becky's playing. Oh, my gosh, I want to be there. You know, like, the, let's, let's go worship. Or, hey, come to this prayer meeting. Oh, absolutely, I love to pray. But, you know, you start throwing on fasting, it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You, you tell me not to eat food? I don't know. I've got to pray about that. You know? like a, there's, a, there's a real pause on that side of it, right? And what I want to talk about today is I, I want to talk about, hey, this, there seems to be this trifecta that we can maybe emphasize worship and prayer, but sometimes fasting has a little bit of a bad rap. And what I want to do is I want to talk about how fasting is actually this amazing discipline that the Lord can call us into. And, it, and it's, a, it's a way that it's as important, at least according to this passage, and really when we look at the Bible, it's as important as the other major things that we talk about often. And so, whether you've never fasted before, I hope that today's message, you say, I want to I fast. Wow, I want to I actually try this thing out. Or whether you've fasted a lot and, and it's been a part of your life, I want to give you like a re-envisioning of like, oh yeah, right, 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 that's why I fast. And then also, a very, very tangible thing I, I want you to leave is, you being, making a commitment and saying, hey, this week as we do this corporate fast, this is how I'm going to be engaging in the corporate fast on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. So let's talk about fasting, okay? I'm going to talk about what it is. I'm going to talk about why we do it. And then I'm going to give you a couple practicals at the end. So first of all, what is fasting? So fasting, the base definition is this. It's not eating food for a period of time. Sometimes you can throw water into that as well. That's, that's a little bit less, that, that happens less. But the base definition of fasting is not eating food for a period of time. Now, I have a whole nother message that I would call the fasted lifestyle where I talk about basically kind of saying no, abstaining from things like social media and hobbies and basically saying no to good things in order to say yes to God. That's a whole nother message that I could give. But today what I'm talking about is fasting is saying no to food for a period of time, okay? 
What is fasting not? So I'm gonna, I got two little things that fa- fasting is not. First of all, fasting is not a diet. When I was in college, my first time that I ever fasted, I tried it out. Someone was like, you got to try fasting. I was like, sure, I'll, I'll try fasting. And my roommate and I, we both love to eat. And uh, I tried fasting for a day. So I fasted three meals. And the next day, I started eating again. And I got back that evening, and my roommate Keith, he was like, dude, so how was it? And I was like, it is so powerful. Dude, you fast for one day, and then you can eat twice as much the next day. <laughs> he was like, oh, really? No, no. so that was my first perspective on fasting is that it was just this like, kind of restriction so that then you could indulge. Another time I'd fasted, and I was like, nice, you know? <laughs> Looking good, you know? But then right after I broke my fast, like three days later, everything was back, all the weight was, you know what I mean? So it's a bad way to diet, right? So fasting is not... A physical thing. It's not for a physical reason, right? We, we do, there are fasts for physical reasons. But when I'm talking about fasting, it's for a spiritual reasons. Second thing that fasting is not. It is not a requirement. Okay? It's, fasting is not a requirement. It is an opportunity. Okay? And this is really, when I think of like all the Christian disciplines, you could put, kind of put that all underneath that. It, they're not requirements. They are opportunities. I lived in Morocco for two years. Uh, predominantly Muslim country. Every single year in Islam, they do a month-long fasting called Ramadan, right? And in the Islamic faith, Ramadan is a requirement, and everybody must fast. And there's all sorts of dynamics in that fast where it's, it's, it's earning your kind of good works to God. It's also a way to kind of absolve your sins. There's all sorts of kind of ideas about, around Ramadan of why we fast, right? It's a requirement. But in the Christian faith... There's none of that. We don't fast in order to earn something from God. We fast because it's an opportunity. And really, all the disciplines that we do, reading the Bible, prayer, giving, serving, all these things, they're all not requirements. They're opportunities for us to get to know the Lord better. So I just want to say that before I get into the fasting. It is not a requirement, but it is an opportunity, an invitation for you to know God more. Okay? So why do we actually fast then? Let's get into the whys. First of all, if we look at Matthew 6, this is the first time that Jesus talks about fasting. And it's in the context of he, he lists three uh, kind of disciplines or three kind of things of the Christian life, right? And he talks about giving, praying, and fasting. This is Matthew 6. And it's, what's interesting is that he says in all these things, he says, when you give, when you pray, and when you fast. And so just... It's, you kind of, as you observe his teaching, it's just that kind of an assumption that this is the normal Christian life is that we do these things. We don't really dispute giving. We don't really dispute praying. And we don't really, we shouldn't really dispute fasting. It's just kind of part of the normal Christian life. Although, but again, I just think there's uh, overemphasis on the other two and an underemphasis on fasting. I mean, I even just, I look at our preaching uh, in our church, this is the first time since I've been here in five years that we've specifically taught on fasting. Yet every year we have a preaching series on giving. Uh, most years we have something about prayer. Last year we did ten weeks on prayer. This is the first time on fasting. So it seems to be underemphasized, if you will. And so that's why we, we're saying, hey, we want to emphasize it because we believe right along with what Jesus was saying about giving, praying, fasting is right there with us. Second, why? So you just see Jesus talks about it. The Bible is full of people who fasted. And there seems to be this kind of correlation between fasting and a significant thing that happened in that person's life. So take Moses. 
fasted 40 days when he went up on the mount, mountain, Mount Sinai, to receive the law from God. So there's something about him fasting as he received the law that was important. Esther, in the book of Esther, calls this corporate fast for pr- fasting from food and from water for this, the, all the Israelites who are in, uh, in the remnant or the exile because they were in, at risk of being uh, killed. And so she calls this three-day fast. Daniel, in the book of Daniel, 21-day fast, and it says at the end of his 21 days, an angel comes and visits him and gives him a prophetic vision about kind of end times theology. Jesus, to start his earthly, at least recorded ministry, he started with a 40-day fast. Paul visits, or Jesus kind of comes to him on the road to Damascus, blinded by light, goes into the, into the city of Damascus, and he fasts from food and water for three days. So, I mean, significant people, significant stories in the Bible, and we see that fasting, there seems to be a correlation between fasting and something significant happening in their life. And the other reason why I fast is I know a lot of people, I, there's a lot of people that compel me in the Christian walk, in, in the way that they live their lives, and, and a lot of them, many of them, fasting is kind of a normal routine, or they've had significant extended fast in their life. So again, it's not like a, I know exactly that fasting is the key piece, but it seems to me that a lot of the people that I really want to like, admire or who have discipled me, fasting is a part of their kind of spiritual discipline. So we see Jesus talked about it, we see it's all throughout the Bible, I even think over church history and maybe people you guys know, they might be, you know, kind of encouraging you or you, you might be saying, oh my gosh, I want to I have a spiritual life like them. Fasting seems to be part of their life. Okay, so those are three reasons. But how about from the word? How about when we see and when we read the word, what are some of the rewards? What does it actually do for us? So I have three things I want to talk about. What are the rewards of fasting? And they're, they're, those are, the rewards are these. Intimacy, power, and direction. Intimacy, power, and direction. So let's talk about intimacy. Jesus, the second time that he talks about or mentions fasting, it's in Matthew chapter 9, verses 14 and 15. It's this interesting interaction. So John the Baptist, his disciples were all hanging out, and they come up to Jesus, and they, they say to him, Hey, Jesus, how is it that we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? You know, John the Baptist was known for being a pretty hardcore dude, and so I could totally see how fasting would be part of his rhythm. And so all these disciples are fasting with him, and then they see Jesus' disciples, and they're not fasting. And in fact, most likely they're like, we see you partying. You know, we see you with prostitutes. We see you with the rich people. We see you like, drinking wine with them. What's the deal with that? So there's this, there's this question about why they do that, and why do we have to be so, you know, why do we have to do the fast? So then Jesus answers them. He says this. How can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and then they will fast. Interesting passage. So here Jesus is basically saying that while I'm here, he's, he's saying I'm the groom. Picture a wedding. The groom and all the groomsmen. You go to a wedding, what, what do you do at a wedding? You celebrate, right? A wedding is not a time to fast. A wedding is not a time to not eat food and not drink wine. A wedding is a time to celebrate and enjoy feasting with other people, right? And so that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, while I'm here, while I'm on earth, while the king of the universe is here, this is a time to enjoy me. But there will come a day when I will be killed. He doesn't say this, but he's prophesying it. I will be killed, and then I'm going to be raised to life again. I'm going to be taken back to heaven. And in that era of history, my disciples will fast. 
And what that fast will do is it, it's this longing. It's this, it's in, in this passage it says this mourning. It's this longing for Jesus' return. And so there's this major uh, movement in, in uh, America and all around the world. It's called IHOP, International House of Prayer. And I, they've influenced me in terms of the, their prayer and worship ministry. But one of the things they do every month, for th- they do a three-day fast called the Bridegroom Fast. And the whole entire point of the Bridegroom Fast is, is just this. We are longing for intimacy with Jesus. We are longing for his return. He is gone and we want him back. I was trying to think about wh- how do we get that kind of longing. Leslie and I, when we were, so we were dating, uh, she was in Indonesia, I was in Morocco. We traveled back to America during one summer. We got engaged. Uh, that was July 3rd, we got engaged. And then the next day, she was going back to Indonesia and was going to leave for six months. I vividly still remember going to South Station, dropping her off at the bus station. She goes, like, she walks out, and there's this, like, glass door that you can look through. And, like, both of us are, like, starting to cry as, like, Leslie's walking to the bus. Because I'm like, I, I just got engaged to this girl, and now I'm saying bye for six months. And so I just remember over that six months, like, the, the amount of longing for my future wife. There was this intense desire to be with her. And, and so I think that fasting, or I think that this passage is basically calling out, Jesus is saying, in that day, you will have that longing for me to return. You'll have a longing, a desire to be with me like that, to, to have intimacy, to, to see me face to face. That's what, that's what this, this is going to do. You're going to fast in order to say, I'm, I'm willing to get rid of food. I'm, really, I'm willing to feel this fing- physical hunger. It, it, it is kind of an example, an inward, uh, outward reality of an inward, outward sign of an inward reality, right? We feel hunger. That's the outward sign. But our inward reality is that we're longing, we're hungering for Jesus. And so the bridegroom fast is just this invitation to say, I want you, Jesus. And so I think sometimes, I, I don't think we, t- we teach about this enough. I think too often fasting is we fast for something, or we fast in order for breakthrough in this area. And you know what? I'm down with that. But I think, first of all, baseline, foundational desire for fasting is this longing for intimacy with Jesus. And that's what I think we need to remember as we fast. Second reason of why we fast. It's for power. Two examples in the Bible of how fasting correlates with power. First one is this, is in Luke chapter 4, it says that the Holy Spirit, so Jesus is baptized, and then the Holy Spirit leads him into the wilderness, and there he fasts for 40 days. And then this interesting verse, right after he comes out of the wilderness, right, he, he, he's tempted by the devil three times, he's able to resist three times, he leaves the wilderness, and it says this, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. So he's led into the wilderness by the Spirit. Fast for 40 days, and he returns to Galilee in, pow- in the power of the Spirit. And that's the start of his recorded ministry. And now we see healings, driving out demons, spiritual authority in the way that he teaches. We just see the life of Jesus after that. So this seems to be this correlation. Something happened in that fast where Jesus received power. Did he have that power before? I'm sure he did. But something the Bible is trying to communicate is that there's a correlation between power and, our minist- and fasting. Another example of this uh, is this, and this is Jesus talking about fasting. This is in Mark 9. It talks about how Jesus goes up on this mountain with Peter, James, and John. 
And then he comes back down off this mountain, has this crazy experience. They meet God kind of face to face. Then they come back down off the mountain. And his disciples are there. And they're trying to drive this demon out of this little boy. And the father comes up to Jesus and is like, Jesus, can you drive this demon out? Because these guys have tried and it's not working. And Jesus then goes and drives the demon out, just tells it to go. And then all the disciples come up to him afterwards and like, what's the deal? Like, I thought we had power. What happened on that one? And Jesus says to them is this. He says, he said unto them, this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. And so there's something, again, about this connection between power and fasting that I think Jesus is trying to communicate this to us. And what I love about it is that it's such, that's such a paradox, isn't it? And, and, and paradoxes are all about what, Jesus is all about paradoxes, right? The kingdom of God is, is all about paradoxes. And this is the paradox. When we are weak, he is strong. When we are weak, he is strong. When we choose to humble ourselves in weakness and in fasting, something happens that we get power that we otherwise wouldn't have. I've had an experience with this. So a couple of years ago, I was, in, I was doing an extended fast, and I was five days into this fast. And I just remember, like, it just, all of a sudden, I, I, you can kind of push through those first few days. It's not that bad. You're like, you're, you're running on energy stores, you're rolling. But then eventually I just hit this wall. I was like, oh, my gosh, I am so fatigued right now. I remember my girls, like, I was, like, sitting watching my girls, like, in the chair, like, don't do that, don't do that. Like, not able to do anything. I was just just feeling tired. So I was like, I got to go to my bed. So I I walk into my room, get on my bed, and just, like, remember curling up in, like, the fetal position and just lying there. And I wasn't tired like I was going to go to sleep. I was just tired, fatigued. And I just sat there, and I was like, all right, I'm going to pray. And after about 30 minutes, an hour, I forget how much of prayer, this feeling, this sense came over me. And this was, this was I just remember this so vividly. It's, it's, it's the closest thing that I, we talk about revelation, kind of having our eyes revealed to spiritual principles. It was the closest thing to revelation that I've had. And that I recognize right there that me praying in that place of weakness was more important and more powerful than if I was out walking around, discipling, evangelizing, meeting with people in my strength. I just had this realization as I'm lying there. I'm like, God, what I'm doing right now is actually more powerful than if I was out doing it myself in my own strength. And that was the revelation that I needed. And that, then since then, I've always correlated. I'm like, I get to fast. Great. I get to choose weakness because when I am weak, he is strong. I get to go low. And that, that's just, again, it's just a, such an affront to our culture and what, what's taught us, right? How do you get power in our culture? You rise up. You show yourself as powerful. You speak louder. You get more money. You say, I'm the boss here. But the paradox or the, the kind of, the paradox of the kingdom is, no, when we go low, when we go humble, when we choose to embrace weakness and fasting, then we get power. So another why of fasting is for power. Final reward of fasting is, again, this is a- among many other things, but this is just what I boil it down to, is, is for direction. And this is where Acts 13, 1 through 3 comes in again. Again, our leadership of our church, we're saying this is an Acts 13 season. And so as we read Acts 13, again, it's a beautiful passage. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menean who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. So verse 1, 
prophets, teachers, this diverse group of leaders gathering together. Verse 2, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Again, from this passage, I just see that part of the directional, you know, kind of where God's kind of take us as a community or even your personal calling. I think that fasting should be a part of that mix. It's not just worshiping. It's not just praying and asking God and journaling. I think that fasting is this, is this way that we can engage. Again, if we were to look at this and say, hey, how did they get direction? It seems like fasting was a key part of that. And so I want to kind of submit that to you guys. Are you looking for direction in your life, calling? Is fasting a part of that as you, as you kind of ask and seek the Lord? Is fasting one of the disciplines that you guys engage in? It's, Leslie has a story. She was, uh, this is about eight years ago, she was invited to go join the Pierces in Indonesia, to join their church planning team in Indonesia. And so before she made, said an answer, she said, I, I want to actually seek the Lord on this. I want to pray and fast. And so she said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fast ten days. And uh, to her own admission, she says that she had thought that fasting was kind of like a magic eight ball. You know, you shake the thing and it's like a yes, no, or maybe, right? As that, that's the power of fasting. You, you kind of are given the magic eight ball from God. But right as she's engaging this fast, she felt the Lord said this, don't expect an answer, but expect to know me more. Don't expect an answer, but expect to know me more. And so she goes, prays and fasts, has a powerful time of meeting with the Lord, and what's interesting is that there was no definitive yes or no, but there was intimacy, and again, going back to that intimacy, or there was a kind of an understanding of more of who God was, and it was in that place, a byproduct of knowing the Lord more. She had confidence to have faith to say yes, to leave Boston, to leave her awesome job, and go and totally risk by going to try to plant a church in Indonesia. So I would just say that the, the byproduct, it might not be this definitive yes or no, hey, this is exactly what you need to do. But, it, but I think it's, for direction, I think it's just we get to know God more. And when we do, we all of a sudden have faith to say yes to the challenges that he might have. Or we might understand kind of how he has made us specifically and said, I'm calling you specifically to do this. And so I just see that direction is a reward that we can get from fasting. And that might not necessarily be just like, this is exactly what you need to do, but I think it's as well just I get to know the Lord more. And in that confidence, he gives me direction on how I'm supposed to live. And so this week, we're asking or we're calling for a corporate fast on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Because on Saturday, all the elders and staff of all three of the churches, Antioch, Brighton, Antioch, Waltham, and the Harbor, we're gathering together for a basically extended day of praying and worshiping together. And we just, again, feel like in this season right now, it's a time where we're actually in a place of asking, Lord, what is next for our churches? What are the, what are the other, like the way that Mark would say, what are the apostolic initiatives that you're speaking to us for us to go and say yes to? And who are the people that you're setting apart to go and lead those things? And so we want to invite you guys Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Pray for us. Pray for us as we gather. Pray for us as we dream. Pray for us as we ask the Lord, what is he trying to do in our midst? It's an Acts 13 season. 
And so we decided to have a kind of Acts 13 moment on Saturday. So that's the invitation to you guys to join us. I had one caveat I wanted to add in before I get into some of the practicals of how to fast. And it's this. What I have learned as I've fasted over the years is that it's not always tangible. Right? It's, it's not always this like equation. A plus B equals C. Fasting plus prayer equals answers. Or, hey, I need this thing, so I fast and I pray and I get it. I think it's, it's again... A lot of the things we do in our spiritual lives, prayer, we don't always know what happens with our prayers, but we just trust that they're doing powerful things. We don't always know when we read the word, is it really getting into us? Have you ever felt that? As you've read it, you're like, I don't even remember what I just read. Is that really doing anything? I think it is. I think there's something spiritual that's happening as we open God's word and read it and we pronounce it. And as we worship, sometimes I'm like, sometimes I get the, ooh, that felt good. But sometimes I don't feel that. Was there something actually beneficial that happened? I think there is when a community gathers together to worship. I think the same thing with fasting. You won't always know. You won't always feel like, oh, why did I, why did I do this? You might just feel at the end of the day, man, I was thinking hungry, and that smoothie tasted so stinking good. That might all be, be all the only feelings you get. But I think actually in the spiritual realm something is happening. When we step out in faith, when we answer by faith, the things that Jesus told us or had expectation for us to do. So that's just my one caveat. Don't always expect A plus B equals C with fasting. But I think when you engage in faith that it actually is doing something, it is actually doing something. So here's a couple of practicals. How to fast. So if you were to come up to me and say, hey, Phil, how would you suggest that I fast? Just give me some ideas. What I, I would say this, is, this would be my general advice. Is I would say, hey, try a once-a-week, 24-hour food fast. Start there. And when I say 24 hours, this is kind of my normal schedule. Is that at least this year, I, ADS, uh, the discipleship school, a couple of the guys in the class, a couple of the men and women in the class, we decided that we're going to do a 24-hour fast together. And so we decided to go from Monday night until Tuesday night and then break as we kind of entered in class on Tuesday night at 6 p.m. And so in general, that's what I do is I do a 24-hour fast. I eat dinner the night before and then I fast for breakfast and lunch the next day and then eat dinner the next day. And I, I just do that on a weekly schedule. And then, so that would be my first thing. Try it out. Try out a 24-hour fast if that's not a normal part of your rhythm. And then think about once or twice a year extending that a little bit. So going 3, 7, 10, 15, 21 days, 40 days. There's also, there's all sorts of precedents for different lengths of fast all throughout the Bible. But I would encourage you to think about, hey, how can I do an extended fast twice a year? And of course, we as a community, we're going to call you into, basically our normal rhythm is in the fall and in the winter, spring, we're going to be calling a corporate fast. So that's an awesome time to jump in because fasting is, i found, awesome to do with other people. Sometimes it's, it's the hardest thing. If you're like, I'm the only one that's hungry right now. But if you know there's like three or four other people hungry, you're like, okay, I can do this. You know, and, and when you look at that thing and you're like, I'm going to break my fast right now. You're like, no, 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 I can stick through because I know these other people are doing it. It's something that's powerful as we do it as a corporate body. So that would be my thing is try a 24-hour fast and then try to jump into two extended fasts throughout the year. Many people will ask this question. What about eating disorders, or what about if I have medical conditions? And here's what I would say. Two things. I would just say, first, use caution. And then second, have 
awesome pastoral insight and oversight if you choose to fast, if you have eating disorders either currently or in your past, or if you have medical conditions that say, hey, this isn't wise for you to fast. Or I'll, I'll add this too, if you're pregnant or if you're breastfeeding. All these kind of, th there's some things that just to say caution if you have a history of that and then have pastoral oversight, have someone that's checking in on how you're doing. We do this in ADS. We've had some men and women who have had histories of eating disorders and we just say, hey, engage in the fast and we'll just be checking in every single day. How are you doing? Are you, is your mind going towards that like I'm controlling, this feels so good or, or it's all about how I physically look, oh, this is great. If you start going that route, we're like, no, break the fast. It's not what it's about. But I also, but I do want to say this. Sometimes it's like, hey, I, I've had an eating disorder. I shouldn't fast at all. I'd say, hey, again, go to the Lord with that. Because I, I, I would also want to challenge you that that's, there is potential for you to still fast in a healthy way, even though it might be part of your history. Caution and oversight if you have eating disorders in your past or currently or medical conditions. In other ways uh, that you call the fast, and, and this is one that I would just, I want to put out there for all of us is to be ready for the Lord to call you into a fast. Be ready for the Lord to initiate with you a fast. I think if we're not ready for it, if we don't expect it, he'll never do it because we we're not listening for it. But I think we miss out on a potential really powerful invitation from the Lord. This happened to me a couple years ago. We found out that Leslie was pregnant, uh, went into the ultrasound, saw that there were two babies in the womb, and we said, oh my gosh. And so I, I, I go home and I, and I just... Since that night that the Lord was like, 10-day fast tomorrow. And in my flesh, I would never, ever do a 10-day fast. Ever do a 10-day fast. Usually I need, like, whenever I do a corporate fast that's extended, I'm always, I need like a month lag time to like mentally prepare every day. And I like stop working out and I wean off of coffee. And I do all this stuff to kind of prepare my body because I'm like, oh my gosh, here it comes. But there was something about the call from the Lord that I was like, I'm, yes, Lord, amen, I'm ready to do it. Started fasting. And it was incredibly powerful. I just, I was able to, and, and the whole fast was all about the babies and just kind of praying for the babies, praying for health, praying for all this. And so every day, just prayed over the womb, pray over the babies, pray over, you know, I, I like read about pregnancy and all the developmental stages and where they're at right now. And I was praying into every single one of those things. And praise the Lord. I mean, we had two healthy babies. Hannah was 8 pounds, 10 ounces. Ava was 8 pounds, 7 ounces, okay? Leslie had 17 pounds of baby in her womb. That's pretty amazing. She went all 40 weeks. So, hey, I don't know. She's amazing. <laughs> so, I don't know what that fast did, you know? I, did, did that fat, was, was my fast the reason why I had 17 pounds of baby in her womb? Or I don't know. I don't, was it the reason why they were super healthy? I don't know. But all I know is that God initiated with me. I said, okay, because I felt like, I was like, absolutely, I'm going to do this. And we have amazing, healthy babies right now. Is it a correlation? I'm not sure. But I, at least I was able to, I was ready when the call came to engage in a fast. And so I just want to say that. Be ready or, or kind of ask the Lord, Lord, would you ever call me into a fast for a specific purpose? And be ready for that if the Lord kind of initiates with you. Final is, is why a corporate fast. And I, I mentioned this a little bit before, but I love the corporate fast because 
It's just a group of us together. I think there's just power in us all knowing that we're all on mission together, if you will, as we pray and fast. And, and as, we, as we're trying to set up these times of prayer and worship all throughout the, every day, Wednesday morning, come, join, kick off the fast as we pray. On Thursday night, come and worship. There's something so nice to have something to do while you're fasting. You know, I, I can go at least you know, a couple hours. I won't be thinking about my hunger. But it's, it's much more than that, right? It's, it's us gathering together to pray and worship. And then I would encourage you as well, break the fast together with celebration. That's another thing I love about fasting is when on Friday night, grab a group of you and say, hey, let's, let's take communion together. Let's break the fast with that. And then, and then let's celebrate and, and share what the Lord is actually speaking and doing on our fast. I, I just want to encourage groups of you to do that on Friday night as you break the fast together. So do it corporately. Well, Becky, you guys can come on up. Becky and the bands. We're just going to move into a time of response. So I hope that what you're hearing from me, just to kind of go through, what is fasting? It's we're calling you guys. We're asking you. We're challenging you. I'm, I'm preaching on this idea of fasting from food for a period of time. Talked about some of the whys, right? Jesus kind of, it's just assumed it almost seems that, that the Christian life involved fasting. And we look at these major Bible characters and something powerful about fasting was part of many of their stories. And then we see there's actual tangible rewards for us. It's intimacy. Knowing God, longing for God, longing for a relationship with him, right? It's power. There's something, something that happens, we feel like, in the spiritual realm. We have, we have power that we don't otherwise have, right? When we go low and we go, when we get weak, in that place, he is strong. And then finally, direction. Talking about one of the rewards of fasting is feels like there can be a calling that maybe is clarified or, or kind of direction for your life. And it might not just be because he says yes or no, but it really is just because you get to know God in a deeper way. That's some of the, the whys. And now here's the invitation. You guys can go ahead and stand up. What I want you to do right